First Timothy chapter 4, let's read again the first five verses of this chapter. And we're only going to look at verse 2 tonight. Last week we looked at verse 1. And next week we'll be looking at verses 3, 4, and 5. But notice as we begin in verse 1, we're going to title the message tonight, Hypocrisy and Seared Conscience. And he said here, beginning in verse 1, 1 Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified but the word of God and prayer. Father, we thank you this evening for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the privilege to be able to assemble together. Lord, now we ask uh, your blessings to be upon the reading of thy scripture, and we pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts tonight as we come to this text. But most of all, we ask for thy help as we come here tonight and consider this passage. For it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, last week we were in verse 1, and I want to read this again and make a few comments on it. He says here in verse 1, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Now, our text tonight is in verse 2, but I want to take a few moments in review uh, because all of these verses are connected together. We'll do the same thing next week in just a few minutes review in verses 1 and 2 next week. But we'll be covering verses 3 through 5. Now notice in verse 1 as we come here, now the outline of this chapter, uh, we find that in verses 1 through 5, and that's the reason I'm taking three weeks to study this, Verses 1 through 5 is speaking of departure from the faith by some. And then in verses 6 through 16, we have here the duty to the faith by believers. And again, I'm just kind of dividing this uh, chapter up into two sections, even though there'll be several sermons here. In verse 1, as we looked at last week, we find as we come into this chapter, the context is dealing with doctrines of God contrasted with doctrines of devils. There's a warning in this chapter against apostasy and false teachers. There's two examples that are given to us. We just read in verse 3 through 5. Now, there, there's much more that we could say about apostasy, but here... There's two examples. One has to do with marriage, and the other one has to do with meats. In verse 3 and 4 and 5, he, he gives us two examples of apostasy. One is for forbidding to marry, that is forced celibacy. And the second thing is abstaining from meats, that is forced fasting. And we'll talk about those verses next week. 
Now, in verse 1, we titled this Departing from the Faith last week. What do we mean by departing from the faith? We're talking about apostasy. We have a sermon on apostasy a number of years ago, and we do not have an article, article, but we have a transcript that's been turned into a booklet. So we find that apostasy means to fall away, to renounce the great doctrines of the Christian faith. We find that it means to abandon one's profession, and I don't mean a Christian losing their salvation. I'm talking about someone who has not saved, but have claimed or made a profession that they do believe the things of God. That's apostasy. Apostasy is a little different than heresy. But now in verse 2, we're going to be looking at hypocrisy. We've got three words here, uh, apostasy, um, hypocrisy, and heresies. But here in verse uh, 1, again, before we get into our text, I gave you some examples last week of what it means to depart from the faith. I want you to turn back with me to chapter 1, and let me read just a a few verses. Let me read verses 18, 19, and 20. Now, I'll not go back and rehash all of this, but I think it's important that when we look at apostasy, and that is what we're dealing with, it's a forsaking of the truth after making a professing Um, uh, uh, after professing to believe that truth. Now notice uh, as we come to verse 18 through 20, this is again the Apostle Paul giving uh, a charge to Timothy. And he said in verse 18, this charge rather I commit unto thee son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith and have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Here are two men, and Hymenius is mentioned again um, in uh, Second Timothy. I gave this to you last week. He's mentioned again in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, verse 17. And another man is added here, uh, Philetus is added. These are apostates. These are uh, hypocrites, as we're going to see tonight, dealing with speaking lies in hypocrisy. And, uh, and so we find here Alexander and uh, Hymenius is that they would be considered of what we're looking at in our text of apostates. Now come back with me to verse um, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 again. I want to read this again before we step into verse 2. Now last week I gave you some examples um, of apostates. One was Judas's carrot. Judas's carrot has spent at least three years with the Lord Jesus. He knew that he was the Son of God. He knew uh, that he uh, was the Messiah. He knew these things because when he sold Christ out, he said, I have betrayed innocent blood in Matthew chapter 27. And he was a man that uh, was a treasure with the disciples. Uh, They thought he was a true disciple. 
and uh, but he was he was a, an apostate. He was a he he had professed to believe something and uh, that he did not really believe. We find uh, that he hung himself, and uh, I do not. There's some believe that Judas was saved and lost it. I don't believe he was ever saved. We got an entire sermon on Judas in our uh, Twelve Apostles series. And so we deal with some of the verses, and, and even Jesus said that he had a devil in him. Uh, we also looked at Balaam. Balaam is a very interesting uh, man in the Old Testament. You'll find him in Numbers and Joshua and Deuteronomy. And Balaam spoke to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him. You say we had to be a believer. Well, as we put all the verses together with Balaam, even after Balaam made a prophecy of the coming Messiah, we find that the Bible tells us he was a soothsayer. The Bible also tells us that he was an enemy of God and also tells us that he was killed by God's people. But I mean, how could a man speak to God and God speak to him and, and a man give a prophecy of the coming Messiah? In other words, he was a apostate. He was a hypocrite. Uh, well, we could use several words for him. Also, Demas, and we find in 1 John chapter 2, in verses 18 through 20, and 1 John 4, the first six verses, that the Bible speaks in the first century, there were many antichrists. There are many that pretend they believed. Let me give you an example. I'm going to read in 1 John. I read this last week. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 18 and 19, I want you to listen to this. He said, Little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Verse 19 says, They, speaking of the Antichrist, they went out from us, so they were in the church at one time pretending to be believers, had made some type of profession. And it says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Underline these words this afternoon, or actually it was yesterday, uh, where it says, they went out from us that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And then we dealt with Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 8 last week as well. And in that particular passage, it tells us when repentance is impossible. It speaks of those who were enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, and they fell away. And it says it's impossible to renew that kind of person unto repentance. They were not true believers. There are people that, I'll put it this way as I did last week, there are people that, um, that uh, had probably sat in the churches, the assemblies, and heard the word of God, they heard the truth. Uh, they uh, had great opportunities and privileges. They had even seen God work. They seen the Holy Spirit work. They seen, uh, they seen the grace of God. 
They seen what God had done in people's lives, and then they turned their back on the Christian religion and embraced the world and their sin. So that's what we're talking about as we come to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're talking about apostates. Now notice, let's read this verse again. He says in verse 1, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some, not all, but some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We just did a word study in that verse last Sunday night. Now let's step into verse 2, and I want you to notice, he says in verse 2, he's continuing the thought, as in verse 1, and he says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron. Now we're going to pick up uh, some of the doctrines that is taught, at least two here in verse 3 through 5, that is doctrines of devils and lies that are spoken in hypocrisy. And, um, and even in verse 7, he deals with um, refusing profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. But let's take a few moments tonight to just focus in on verse 2. Now, first of all, I want you to notice he says, and, 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 and the reason I spent that time in verse 1 is these are closely connected together, talking about the same people, the same thing. He says here, in reference to verse 1, the doctrines of devils and so forth, and the seducing spirits, he said in verse 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, these are some strong words, aren't they? We left chapter 3 and verse 16, a beautiful verse, speaking of the mystery of godliness. I, I love preaching on that. love preaching on that a lot more than I do the text that we're looking at now. He's stepping into the other side of this. He's speaking of the mystery of iniquity. And uh, we've seen all the beautiful things in chapter 3 and verse 16 and about Christ and, and, and that he was God in flesh and things of that nature. 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6, speaks of the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And it speaks of those who, if they deny that Jesus, came, Jesus Christ came in the flesh, in other words, he says they are antichrists. That's the first century, and it's still true today as it was then. In other words, to deny the divinity or the deity of Christ, the fact that he came in flesh, that he was God in flesh, to deny the Trinity. In other words, they are antichrist. Now, in verse 2, as we come here, and, and again, this is just a continuation, continuation, and next week we'll continue and actually look at two particular doctrines. Now, in verse 2, let's take the first part of this before we get to the subject of the conscience. But notice he says, you're speaking lies in hypocrisy. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. He continues to show the means by which apostasy would rise. In other words, hypocrites pretending to honor the Lord... At the same time, they're fighting against the Lord. Now, we see this all through the Scriptures. 
And um, one writer, I, I wrote an article in 2010 titled Hypocrisy, and I'm just going to give you a quote off the front of this by Thomas Brooks, lived back in the 1600s. And he said, A hypocrite may offer sacrifice with Cain and fast with Jezebel and humble himself with Ahab and lament with the tears of Esau and kiss Christ with Judas and follow Christ with Demas and offer fare for the Holy Ghost with Simon Magus. And yet for all this, his inside is as bad as any of theirs. Talking about here lies, speaking lies in hypocrisy. We find, and I mentioned this uh, to you um, last week, we uh, actually turned, and let me just give you some of these verses real quickly. Again, uh, see 2 Corinthians 13, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, rather, verse 13. I gave this to you last week. The first three verses are speaking, uh, again, of perverting the gospel. But 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, 14, and 15 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Others are trying to appear to be Christian and love the Lord and teaching the doctrines of Christ. He said, And no marvel, verse 14, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. A lot of people think that if Satan appeared to you, he's got a red suit and a pitchfork, and he doesn't appear that way. Appear, appears as the angel of light. He comes to deceive and to speak lies as he came into the garden and deceived our first parents. He said in verse 15, Therefore is no great thing if his ministers also, now listen to this, if Satan's ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. In Matthew 7, we have these words. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Matthew 7, uh, 15. And I'm going to read just a few verses in Matthew 24. If you're taking notes, 2 Timothy 3, 7 through 9. But listen to Matthew 7, verse 15. And of course, in the context here, he's speaking of the fact that you shall know them um, by their fruits. And, but verse 15 says this. And we're talking about people speaking lies and hypocrisy. He says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. This is what we're talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They're pretending to be one thing, but there's something, uh, something else. In Matthew 24, I'm going to read three verses out of this chapter. The Lord Jesus here speaking. It says in verse 5, He says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, speaking to his disciples. It says, take heed that no man deceive you. That's verse 4. Now verse 5. For many, now think about this, for many 
shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Come down with me to verse 11. He said, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And then in verse 24, he said, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. We have a whole sermon and article on false prophets. We have more than one sermon on false prophets, but we do have an article on that with several uh, scripture verses in it. Now notice as we come back to verse 2 again of our text, what we find here is they pretend to be very pious and very religious. They pretend to be the ministers of God. Their hypocrisy lay them open to demonic influence. They're hypocrites. They're, they have a hypocritical show of piety. But what they're doing, they are seducing others. They're allowing Satan to use them, even though they look like the ministers of Christ, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to get into two of their doctrines next week. Now, as we come here, actually, when you read verses 1 through 8, and I'll say more about this later, the context, it appears to relate to doctrine that forsakes true holiness and genuine purity in exchange for man-made dogmas that pervert the truth. In other words, they may have exchanged genuine purity for, for, for more physical things. Again, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats to make them look more pious, but they're hypocrites. Now notice in verse 2 again, he says here in verse 2, he says, you're speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now, I want to, I got another quote here. Um, now, this is on the conscience. I'll quote that in just a few, in just a few moments. But anyway, there's several articles, several uh, references in the article on hypocrisy that I have laying here as well. But let me just say this about hypocrisy. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, and let's read one verse on this, and I'll make reference to some others. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to read verse 1. Say, what is a hypocrite? Well, the easiest definition is just put the word actor down. Someone who is acting to be something they're not. But it is the opposite of sincerity. It is a phony virtue and piety. And that's what we're seeing in 1 Timothy 4, and we're, he's given us warning about. And it's an outward show or an outward appearance that they're good, but they're inwardly corrupt. We also find in Matthew 6, I'm not going to be turning there. We're going to read here in 1 Peter. But in Matthew 6, 1 and 2, the Lord tells those listening to him not to be a hypocrite when it comes to almsgiving. 
And also in verse 5, he said, don't be a hypocrite when it comes to prayer. And then in verse 16, he says, don't be a hypocrite when it comes uh, to fasting. And you can read the text and see how somebody could be a hypocrite in all three of those areas, praying, giving, or fasting. In Matthew 23, 28, if you're taking notes, uh, the hypocrite, the word, is used several times by the Lord Jesus. And he is judging, bringing judgment, passing judgment upon the scribes and Pharisees who were outwardly appeared to be clean, but they were in, inwardly filthy. Amen. And so he uses the word hypocrite several times there. And there's another passage before I read there that you've probably had put in your face many times, and that is Matthew 7, verse 5. He mentions the hypocrite. But in the context, in verse 1, he said, Judge not that you be not judged. Have you ever had this verse used against you? I have many, many times. And they never read the context. The context here is dealing with hypocritical judgment. We're told to judge certain things. To judge righteously in the book of John. But what he says, and I'm not going to read the whole text here, but he says in verse 5, he said, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eyes, of thy own eye rather, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So he's dealing with, he's not saying you can never ju not judge anything, He's saying that we're not to be hypocrites in our judgment. So, so the, and we have a whole sermon and a whole article on that as well, just on that subject. Judge not, I think is the title of it. Now notice in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies, envyings, and all evil speakings. The point is here in the passage is that we as Christians are never to be involved in hypocrisies. We're never to be a hypocrite in any way in our Christian life. Now notice back with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Jesus also in Luke 12, 1, he gives severe warning of the leaven of the Pharisees, which was hypocrisy. So that's, that's how this word is used. Now let's come and look at the subject for a few moments of the conscious. I could preach a whole message just on hypocrisy, but I want to uh, keep this verse together. First of all, he says that they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. Let us never forget that. They're pretending to be something they're not. They're actors. It's like actors on a stage. Then he says, in the latter part of this verse, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now this is how bad and severe that this is with the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter, an aged preacher to a younger preacher, 
and warning him about these things. The warning goes throughout this chapter of good doctrine versus bad doctrine. The doctrines of God versus the doctrines of devils, as we just read in verse 1. So let's first of all, let's say just a few things about the conscience. We've preached on this. Uh, I think it's been 2010 or somewhere around there the last time the priest on it. We've dealt with it in other sermons. The word conscience, if you break the word down into two parts, C-O-N, uh, meaning with, and then you got science, S-C-I-E-N-C-E, means knowledge. So you, when you come to this word, it, it's, it's when a person does something with knowledge of what they're doing, it is according to their conscience. When they do something with knowledge of knowing what they're doing. The word is used about 32 times in the New Testament. And the word is not used in the Old Testament, uh, but, the, but there, there are other expressions that are used in the Old Testament that are saying the same thing, dealing with the conscience of man. Um, which I, here's where I want to give you the quote, and when we, especially as we think about this thing about a seared conscience. Keep in mind that we've already read in chapter 1 and verse 19 that the apostle told Timothy to have a good conscience. And he also says this in chapter 1 and verse 5. So as we come through the scriptures, we find that there's a good conscience. We'll see this again in places like 1 Peter 3 and verse 16 and, and, and a number of other places. And um, we also find in the scripture, as we're reading here, a seared conscience. And I'll give a definition of that in just a moment. But we also find in Titus 1.15 a defiled conscience. Again, someone professing one thing and doing the opposite. And we also find in Hebrews 9.14 a cleansed conscience or a purged conscience. Purged by the blood of Jesus Christ. And thank God for that. Only the blood of Christ can purge a guilty conscience. And, and, and uh, that's guilty of sin and give peace to that individual. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 7 through 12, speaks of a weak conscience. So we have this word used a number of times in different ways. There's different types of consciences in the Bible. Now, now as we come back here to verse 2, we can say that according to Romans 2.15, that every man, every woman, every person has a conscience. Now, that, that conscience can be defiled. It could be weak. It can be sinned against. And in our text, it can be seared. But every person has a conscience. Again, it's Romans 2, 15, and the surrounding verses. Even the Gentiles that had not the law in the Old Testament, the conscience was a law unto them. And so, what is a conscience? It's, it's man's awareness of right and wrong. Now, we can sin against that. We can defile that. We can sear that. 
Some say that it's that still, small voice of God that speaks to us from within. See, God speaks to us through the creation. God speaks to us through His Word. But He also put a conscience in every person that they know that there is a God, that there is a Creator. But they can sin against that and defile it and sear it. It is the only restraining power the natural man has. And the philosophy has been for a number of years, follow your conscience. Be careful with that. Because it is not always a safeguard unless it is illuminated by the Word of God. It has to be illuminated by the Word of God. But God has put that in man. Now, man sins against it. He wants to deny it and deny his creator. But God has put that inside of every individual. So as we come here to this text, and by the way, the conscience will either approve or disapprove. It'll do one or the other. And we know that's true. I mean, even before you got saved, you knew that some things wrong, some things are right. You know, but, uh, but it'll either, it either approves or disapproves of things. Now, again, you can't follow your conscience unless it is illuminated by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Because it'll lead you astray. Now, notice as we come here, and he says in the latter part of this verse, having their conscience seared. They've done this to themselves. Think about having their conscience seared. The word seared means to be hardened, hardened by sin, to be calloused. The word scorched, I think, can be used with this as well, to be insensitive, to be past feeling, as in Ephesians 4.19. It has the idea of being branded, The imagery is taken from a branded slave or an animal that's been branded. And um, here's the thing. If a person's flesh can be branded so that it becomes hard and without feeling, so can the conscience. And that's what he's talking about. And, And to be branded is to harden the nerve. To be seared is to harden the nerve endings physically, or spiritually either one. Okay? Now, notice he says, oh, let me give you the quote I said a moment ago. This is a, a, a pirate's confession about the conscience. Here's what he said. This is a quote. The pirate Gibbs acknowledged before his death that when he committed the first murder and plundered the first ship, that his conscience made a hell within his bosom. But after he sailed for years under his black flag, his conscience became so hardened and blunted that he could rob a vessel and murder its crew and then lie down and sleep as sweetly at night as an infant. His remorse diminished as his crimes increased. Quote, And that's how that someone can harden their conscience, is by sinning against it. And here in our text, he speaks of those 
with a seared conscience. It's almost like a reprobate mind in Romans 8 in verse 28. And again, Titus 1.15 speaks of the conscience that becomes defiled. But he says here in this passage, he said that in the latter part, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This reference hot iron points to the effect their sin has produced on their own conscience. They've sinned against themselves. They've sinned against their own conscience. And so they're branded. It shows that Satan is their owner and their master. And they carry his mark. Their conscience is seared. And they're apostates. And they bear the mark of hypocrisy. So let's read this one more time, and next week we'll get into two particular doctrines that is taught by the apostates. He says here in verse 2, reading this one more time, he says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Again, next week we'll pick up uh, forbidding to marry, and abstaining from meats, the forced celibacy and the forced fast. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We ask your blessings to be upon the singing and the prayer requests that will be lifted up. We thank you for your love and mercy to us. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.